here we go now, thinking about Psalm 150. When we started our series in the Psalms uh, some eight weeks ago, I mentioned uh, that we cannot see really an overarching flow or theme flow to the Psalms. It's not that there's a pattern or a movement, um, but some of the Psalms are very intentionally placed, specifically at the beginning and at the end of the Psalms. And the last six Psalms are all praise. Psalm 150 is like the climactic finale that Jade read to us just a few moments ago. It begins and ends with hallelujah, which, by the way, means praise God, praise the Lord. So, and it repeats that verb praise 13 times in six verses. Eugene Peterson simply writes, The end of prayer is praise. The end of all prayer is praise. It's the goal at which the Psalms arrive after their long travels through unmapped countries of pain, of doubt, of trouble, with only occasional vistas of sunlit lands along the way. The word Psalms, what does that mean also? We know hallelujah means praise the Lord, and the word psalms simply means praises. How is it that so many of the psalms um, are actually, though, laments or complaints to God? Is it false advertising to say that the title of the psalms is praises? Maybe it's just an improper billing, because a lot of the psalms really are complaints. Uh, think of Psalm 13.1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Doesn't that sound like a complaint? Or Psalm 88. It concludes with these words. Darkness is my closest friend. Not exactly an up note to finish the psalm on. Or Psalm 142, verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him. We find many of those phrases, many of those ideas in the psalms through and through. Is it an improper billing to call the psalms actually praises? Well, the title praises may not be uh, statistically accurate, but they are very accurate as they describe the end goal and the finished product of where God wants to take us. I want my life to be unbroken praise, just like we sang earlier. Continual praise, pure praise before God. So Psalm 145 leads us in the final segment of praises, where in chapter 145, the author glorifies God through each letter of the alphabet. You go through each letter of the alphabet, and you will note, as you read Psalm 145, no complaint is allowed, no perplexity is admitted, it is all praise by the time you get to this section. So what is praise anyway? Let's think of a definition. To praise God is to call attention to his greatness. It is the act of declaring God's nature, his unfailing love, and his marvelous creation. 
It's the task of the church today and the future vocation of the redeemed to praise God. C.S. Lewis defines praise like this. He says that praise is inner health made audible. Now, it's true that there are moments in Scripture where praise is given to people. You'll notice that also if you were to look through the Scriptures. Proverbs 31 says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There are times when we legitimately praise people for their good qualities. And that way, praise is different from worship. If you think of the word worship, you will use it only for God. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is only to God. But praise, we can give that to people as well. It's a good quality, isn't it, to affirm and to... um, Praise other people for their strengths and for the gifts that they have. Because we praise what we value. We praise what we love. Husbands and wives, I trust that you are you're praising your spouses. That, that, that families, that you're praising each other. Friends, that you're praising each other as you admire each other and lift up those things that are good qualities of each other, in each other. But how much more when we speak of the nature of God do we speak of that word praise? So as we come to the Psalms, we are urged to praise the Lord. We praise God by singing in Psalm 9. We praise God by shouting in Psalm 33. We praise him by dancing in Psalm 150 with musical instruments. This is exuberant activity. Some people might say that praise is the fruit of the lips and worship is the fruit of the heart. That's what we're giving to God. So now let's slow down and let's look a little more closely at Psalm 150. We want to walk through now these verses and consider more closely those six verses there. Verse 1. Where do we praise God? Where do we praise God? We praise him in his sanctuary. For us, we might understand this as praising him as we gather here for worship. Where do we praise him? Both here and across the ocean. Just like Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. That's why we're enthusiastic about um, our sent team going to the Philippines. Just a little later in the service, our team will come up here to the front and we'll have an opportunity. You'll have an opportunity to pray for us as you send us off to serve as we go to the Philippines. Imagine this, when we were falling asleep last night, Filipino believers were already awake and they were just gathering to meet to praise God together. We joined together in this chorus of praise across the planet. We appreciate your prayers for us over the next uh, two weeks as we join together in praise and in service with our Filipino brothers and sisters. But praise doesn't just take place here. Note that this praise also is in 
the mighty heavens in verse 1. Earth and heaven join together in this praise. Praise him here on earth. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Right now, the angels are praising God. And the company of saints, the cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us are gathered around the throne and praising God. This is not a boring worship service. We praise him with the anticipation anticipation of seeing the face of God. And we honor the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's glory fills all of creation. And so too, our praise must do no less. You and I have our part to do here in this corner of the world to offer our praise together. Where do we praise God? We praise God right here. We praise him here. But why do we praise God? Look at verse 2. And you will find two reasons here for praising God. Why do we praise him? We praise him for his acts of power. God carefully rescued the people of Israel from slavery. And now he rescues us from sin from loneliness, from fear, from our own confusion. God rescues us. And we praise him for his surpassing greatness. God is worthy of our praise. There is still more, though, about why we praise. Psalm 100 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Notice this, as you look at that verse in Psalm 100, notice that praise is the means by which we enter into the courts of God. It's the means by which we draw into God's presence. And when we enter into God's presence, then things get changed. Everything changes when we enter into God's presence. There was a psychology study from the University of Michigan And it found that over time, couples tended to look alike, according to live science. And it had nothing to do with genetics. Now listen to this. Psychologist Robert Zadjonk analyzed photos when couples first got married, and then photos of them 25 years later. Glenn and Angie, how many years? 27, okay, a model couple to look at. Now, the happier that they said they were, the more couples started looking alike. As years passed, couples looked more and more like each other, and Zajonk believes it is because they started mimicking each other's facial expressions making the exact same moves with their faces. For example, if your partner has a good sense of humor, you both develop the same lines around your mouth. Now, let's add one more idea to this. Even if you do not think, or even if you think you do not look at all like your marriage partner, you develop ways and habits of thinking 
from the ones that you build your life around. Uh, There's this motivational speaker who says this, we are the average of five people that we spend the most time with. We become like them. And I think there's some truth to that, right? I mean, there's some truth to that also that we find in Scripture. You you read 1 Corinthians 15. It says, bad company corrupts good character. It's like there's some kind of infection of either the good company or the bad company that we share with each other where we gain some of those qualities that come from each other. That also is a biblical truth. We become like those people that we spend time with. Now, imagine this. Imagine the power of building a life around Jesus so that his words and his deeds are always on our lips. Think of living a life of praise where you're always reflecting, as that verse 2 says, you're always reflecting on God's greatness. You're always thinking about his goodness, how Jesus has given you a purpose for living And you start pondering and you think more and more of, I'm valuable to God. I'm precious in his sight. And and when you abide so much in his love, you know what? You actually start to become that you look more like Jesus. And that's the scripture truth as well is that you are transformed into his image, that you become more and more like him, that you look more and more like Jesus, so that when people look at you, they say, you start looking more and more like Jesus all the time. Pure praise. Tom Wright puts it like this. You become like what you worship. When you gaze in awe and admiration, and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object of your worship. So why should we offer anything less than our full and pure praise to God? Give it all to Him. Why do we praise There's some good reasons right there as we start in Psalm 2 or in verse 2 of that of Psalm 150 and then also look at Psalm 100. Another question, though, verses 3 to 5 is this. How do we praise him? How do we do this? Look at verses 3 to 5. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. How do we praise him? We praise him with trumpets and guitars, with drums and piano. In fact, Every single instrument, I think what it means is every single instrument is to be used in our praise. Think of the creativity simply just of of our worship team over the weeks and months. Praise him with the cello. Praise him with the violin. Praise him with the harmonica. 
Don't you love it sometimes when Edmund is, is playing the piano and then the, that harmonica sound comes? It's like, where did that come from? But it's, it's everything and all that we have as we offer our praise to God. Did you notice, too, as you looked at Psalm 150, how do we praise him? Did you notice that there is dancing there, too? Baptists and dancing. And, and, and it's like we are invited to praise God with, with everything that we have. Do you see where God has been good to you? Then declare those praises. There are some things that we learn from those verses, verses 3 to 5. And I want to I think through with you. Just as we have to, uh, you think of those instruments. Uh, Rochelle, how long did it take to learn how to play the piano? How, how long did it learn to take to play the guitar, this took years. And, and you'd stay, say, I'm still learning, right? As much as we have incredibly gifted pianists, I've talked with Edmund, he's still taking piano lessons. He's still trying to improve. He's still trying to make it better. We still rehearse this. So when we praise with these instruments, we keep practicing. We need to rehearse our praise. Oh, I've done it. I've done it before. I know how to do that. <laughs> we keep practicing. We keep, we keep training as we offer that, that which is the very best that we have to God. We need to rehearse and practice it so that we can offer God our complete and pure best. Right? Isn't that why we're here? To say we want to offer to God our very best, not our leftovers. And we need to train ourselves and repeat this praise or else or else what happens? We become forgetful and distracted. We need to pay attention to God or we are going to wander off with other preoccupations. Deuteronomy 8, 10 and 11. We read this. When you have eaten and are satisfied praise the lord your god for the good land that he has given you be careful that you do not forget the lord your god failing to observe his commands his laws and his decrees that i am giving to you this day did you notice this there's the reminder praise the lord your god for the good land that he has given you but don't forget it don't forget how he has blessed you. In the good times, when God gives you, it's interesting, Deuteronomy 8 is talking about good times. Here you are in good days. Here you are rejoicing and celebrating all of God's goodness. And, and the writer is saying, you can forget God in the good days and stop praising him. Because you just start taking it all for granted. Be careful that you do not forget God. It takes effort for us to learn to speak out our praises in the good times. Speak it out in the good times. How do we praise? With a variety of instruments, we practice our praise. But listen also to this verse in Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Now, here's a contrast. In Deuteronomy 8, we're talking about praising God in good times. 
right? The good moments, the moments when you're rejoicing, the moments just when everything seems to be going well, we offer our praise. But there are other times when you do not sense God's goodness. There are other times where you are walking through that journey of those other Psalms before you get to Psalm 145, that pure praise at the end, where you hit moments, they are storms. Times when we do not sense God's goodness, when we choose to praise him in the storms, and when we do not understand, when we don't understand, then our faith grows deeper. That is a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. Think of, think of Habakkuk, who praises God in that little Old Testament book, who praises God when there are no grapes on the vines and when the olive crop fails. Think of Paul and Silas who are chained in prison and they are singing praises to God. Think of the psalmist who is downcast and disturbed. I know that we studied that psalm uh, some weeks ago during our, our summer study in the psalms. The psalmist who is downcast and disturbed, and yet what does he, what does he do? He praises God. A sacrifice of praise. See, the world is filled with reasons to find praise difficult. I know there are moments for you and me where this is a sacrifice of praise, where it is an effort to offer that praise. This is a powerful side of praise because we sit in these moments and we do not even know how things are going to work out. The next question. Who praises God? Who praises God? Look at Psalm 48, 148, verses 7 and 10. Who praises God? Look at that. Praise the Lord from the earth you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. And then verse 10, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. I love this. Here's what I would say. Wild animals and house pets are designed for praise. You have any pets? Those pets are also designed for praise. Praise him. All the creatures. Who praises God? But Psalm 150, verse 6, concludes with these words. Here's how all of the Psalms end. The very last verse. It's very strategically placed. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to repeat this with me. Okay? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay, you know what? That's our practice. Now we're going to say it with just a little more energy and a little bit more rejoicing as we say this together. Let's say this now. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you to breathe in just a moment and hold your breath. Okay, I'm going to speak. But I'm going to ask, okay, are you ready? Breathe in and hold it. 
Okay, so you can hold it for just a moment or two, and as you're holding your breath, you hold that. Now breathe out. Okay, I want to tell you, you have just passed the test for being invited to praise. You're in. As long as we breathe, we praise. You're part of the chorus. You're part of the team. You're invited. This is your place that God is calling you. St. Augustine wrote, The Christian should be a hallelujah from head to toe. Right? Remember this now. Thirteen times that word praise is found in Psalm 150. Six verses. The Psalms are our guide in our prayer life. This book teaches that we bring our doubts before God. For doubters here, you get to bring it before God in prayer. It means for complainers, and that's all of us, bringing our laments, we bring them before God. We offer up our suffering, we offer our fear, our anger, but in the end, In the end, everything finds its way to the doorsteps of praise. Listen again to Eugene Peterson. There was just the one sentence that I was building on where he said this little phrase, the end of prayer is praise. Here's how he continues. This crafted conclusion for the Psalms tells us that our prayers are going to end in praise, but that it's also going to take a while. Don't rush it. Be patient. It may take some time before you arrive at a hallelujah for every twist and every turn in your life. But the end of prayer is praise. You ever ask uh, kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, you know what, sometimes we'll ask teenagers here, or just thinking of entering into university, or maybe even the first few years of university, what do you want to pursue? What do you want to be? But can you imagine now this question being asked of every adult here, of every senior citizen here, of everyone in their 80s? We say, what do you want to be when you grow up? See, I think that's a valid question for all of us. Because the question shapes us. I am not yet what I should be, but it is the goal that shapes me. It is the goal that moves me and moves me in a trajectory of praise. Don't let anything less than the praise of the triune God captivate you. Listen to these words of praise that bring us to the end. The new beginning in our story of creation in Revelation 5, 13 and 14. Here are are these verses from Revelation chapter 5. Let's read these together and let's read these together with joy. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, 
To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be glories and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And how do we respond except by saying, would you join together with me in saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, right now and in these moments, as we realize, what is our life? What are we here for? We want our life to move in a trajectory of praise so that in the end we might be able to say, Jesus led me all the way. The Lord is good to me. Well, God, we thank you for these psalms, for the wonderful book of psalms that you have given to us that captures every mood, every emotion, everything that we face, and we offer it all up to you in prayer. We don't want to bypass Psalm 13 or Psalm 88 or Psalm 142 or the many other psalms that offer our struggles and our difficulties and our pain. We don't want to bypass it. We don't want to run too quickly because we want to walk with you through every single stage. But at the end of it all, oh God, we want it to end up in in pure praise so that we might offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice, that we might continually offer to you a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. Oh God, we thank you for this wonderful gift of scripture that speaks to us, where we believe that it is ever old, but ever new, true for us today, and speaks to our hearts once again. Oh God, prepare our hearts as we offer a hallelujah. Prepare our hearts as we meet around the communion table and as we remember your suffering for us and as we delight in your goodness to us. So come, O God, and meet us in these moments, we pray, that we might offer to you unbroken praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.